I've got the three wise men here today. <laughs> or the three monkeys. No, the three wise men. <laughs> the three wise monkeys. <laughs> Many of you would know these guys. Manuel, our executive pastor, came from Colombia how many years ago? 15 on a holiday. Still here, walked into the church at that time. Still here now. Yeah. Mike, Mike and Claire and Catherine, Mike and Claire, we've known, um, well, probably longer than some of you are born. Um, we've known you, what, 20 plus years now? It's got to be um, 96. What's that? 96? Work that out. 23, 23 years. Um, so, yeah, go back a long way. Mike and Claire were youth leaders in the church that we were in with them, uh, very successful in business, um, and, and brings the word here. And then Simon, who we love, Simon and Francis. Again, been with us well over 10 years now. What's it, about 13, 14 years? 14 years, yeah. 14 years with our lovely children who are going to cringe and hide. Uh, when they came, all their kids were about this tall. Um, I saw a picture of Matthew. I was actually taller than Matthew in one of the pictures, you know. <laughs> I think I've probably shrunk as what's happened, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I thought it would be a little bit different today and talk about a couple of things. I mean, my main subject today is I want to talk about overcoming. Being an overcomer, pushing through and making something happen when it seems impossible. So um, I want each of these guys to share a story. Maybe if we could start with Manuel. He shared a fascinating... I've known Manuel now for 50... Oh, how many years? 15 years, and this is the first time I've ever heard this story. So, do you want to share your story of overcoming, Manuel? Um, when, uh, when I was uh, at college, in the last couple of years of college, uh, we have to do uh, uh, public speaking, and because you do presentations and you have to do different type of things. You have to train you to help you and do all these things. And... Um, because of uh, my family and my background, my mom and my dad, they are both uh, teachers. My dad is a uh, was a professor in a university. So I have an idea of how to do it because I've been, I grow up in all those things. But, uh, so when they asked me to go and do a presentation or anything like that, then everything sort of changed because then I start speaking in a different way. I vocalize, I pronunciate, uh, and I'll do all the things. So all my friends were taking the mic out of me because I, I sort of changed. I did it in a, in, a different, in a different way. And actually, they start bullying me a lot. And every time that I sort of tried to speak, I felt now very self-conscious. I couldn't, I couldn't do it, and I actually said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Public speaking is not for me. I went and I talked to my teachers, and I said, don't even ask me ever again to talk. I'm not going to do presentation. I'm not going to do this. But one of the teachers says, no, Manuel, you have, uh, you have to do it. And actually, she um, put me in a competition, in a national competition, put me without actually me knowing too much of what was happening. And it was a competition uh, that you have to do an improvisation. So they give you a subject of the cuff, give you two minutes to prepare, and then you have to speak for 15 minutes. And uh, I start uh, thinking of that, and I went to the first one, and uh, I was knocked out of the, in the first round, but because the next rounds, they, were, they didn't have as much quality as in the round that I was in, they called me again to participate in the next round. 
And then at the end of that, I actually won the national competition and I was on national TV speaking in front of the whole nation and I received an award from the President of the Republic uh, telling that I was the winner of that competition. And that award was given to me in front of the whole school and at that point then after that, if anybody was trying to tell me not, that I'm not a good speaker, I said, well, I have a certificate <laughs> to prove it. It's taken me 15 years to discover that story. <laughs> Mike. Um, so my story is, uh, we, we, as you know, we've got four children, and our second eldest daughter, we discovered, was epileptic, um, had epilepsy. And it's just one of those things, you've, uh, for those of you who've got children, you understand what that's like, the heartbreak, and just seeing them go through that. And two things really stood out as I look back now in memory of her having epilepsy. One was Christmas Day. She was just about to open her presents, and she had a fit. And literally, as she started to open them, and she came round, and after that, she didn't really understand what she was doing. She opened them, but it was like it was meaningless to her. She opened all her presents and had Christmas Day without really being there with, in her own excitable character. And that was heartbreaking. And the other one was she had a fit at the top of the stairs in our little house and fell all the way down and bit right through her tongue. Um, and then we had to take her to hospital and she was wired up all sorts of drips and just watching her and this, this little child on this bed. And the medicine, we couldn't seem to, and they couldn't seem to stop the fits. Uh, and it's heartbreaking. If you've got children, you understand going through that. And it got to the point where I knew, where Claire and I carried this, but I knew that it was not my responsibility, but I, I felt that I needed to overcome this on behalf of my daughter. And I just spent an entire week praying and fasting, but I felt a spirit of Gideon come upon me. I just got before God. I just buried myself in God. And I felt like the spirit of Gideon. And I, I felt God actually lead me to the, the scripture where it says to walk around uh, the walls of Jericho. And, and I read that story. And I, in her bedroom one morning, I got up early and I... I prayed around her bedroom one time, just once. And the next morning, I walked around and prayed it twice. And the next time, for seven days, and on the seventh day, I've been praying and fasting for the week. And on the seventh day, um, I walked around and prayed seven times around her bedroom and then let out this great shout. And Laura was healed. And it, it was incredible. It's, it's just to overcome things like that. I, that was God overcoming for Laura, but I just, for me, overcoming fear and allowing Satan to have that capture over my child, it was just amazing. Yeah. Powerful. Thank you, Mike. Simon. That was a bit unfair, wasn't it? That was a proper, proper spiritual story. Uh, mine's a bit more superficial, so uh, many of you all know that last year I... Uh, I decided to take up the baton um, with a company challenge of um, uh, cycling 100 miles, um, which was quite a big thing for me. And I'd probably got to a place where many of us, not all, some people don't, uh, come to that place in midlife where 
you know, we've done the family thing, and we've stopped focusing on ourselves, we've stopped sort of going to the gym and stopped eating proper stuff and stopped doing lots of things that we shouldn't, or that we should be doing, and we've started doing a load of things that we shouldn't be doing. And uh, so anyway, I decided to take up this, this challenge of cycling 100 miles in a day. Um, it was quite daunting uh, when I went out the first day on my old mountain bike, which probably weighed about half a tonne. And I got to the bottom of Filsham Hill, the first third, and sort of collapsed on the side of the road, wheezing, looking for an ambulance, thinking this was not one of my smartest ideas, and God definitely hasn't blessed me with intelligence here, because uh, this is just, it's daft. Um, but I carried on, because I'd committed, because I'd made a commitment to do something, I carried on sort of dragging myself out every Saturday morning, set myself a, a small target, you know, things that I could achieve and things that I could, could take on more easily, little targets that I could get to. Um, I can't tell you how pleased I was the first time I managed to ride from St. Leonard's to Bexhill. It doesn't sound very impressive, really, but at the time I was quite pleased because the week before, I'd nearly expired on Filsham, so it was a it was a challenge that was done, and I and I just I just kept on, um, and I suppose in the context of talking about overcoming, uh, whilst it was a very physical or practical um, exercise, so much of it was overcome in the bedroom that morning when I went. No, I will go out on my bike because it's the last thing I felt like doing. And I didn't, I didn't own what I was doing. I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't competent to do what I was doing, but I was doing it. I didn't become competent until I achieved what I set out to do. So all the way through, you feel like you're someone having a go, someone trying. But the important thing was to keep on having a go and keep on trying and keep on getting up and keep on pushing. And, you know, I've had children and the wife all taking the mickey out of me because I've turned into a mammal and whatever. I have had friends that have come alongside <laughs> me, supported me, you lot, but um, no, but it's been good. So no, but I did, I overcame and in August um, I went up to London, uh, Mike did it as well actually, and I did the London 100. The, the bizarre thing of it is, is everyone else in the company that was down to do it um, didn't turn up, so I did it on my own. <laughs> but, um, but I did it, I had a fantastic day, and I, and I overcame, so it's good. That's brilliant, well done, it's, yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, my, um, Simon, as you were speaking there, I just heard his little voice said, you know, Glenn, you need to rise up to challenge. Why don't you do the half marathon next year, the half marathon? But I've decided already it's the devil <laughs> trying to deceive me. <laughs> So I'm crossing that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Could we have Estelle up? Estelle, would you like to come? I've asked Estelle to read us the word for today, uh, which would be fantastic. Thank you, Estelle. Yeah, just, just go straight over there. Hello. I'm used to being up here. <laughs> Um, the reading today is from 1 Samuel 17, uh, verses 32 to 50, and that's on the Church Bible, page 173. Let me put this on. David kills Goliath. 
Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the, lamb turns on, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who, has, who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Thank you, Estelle. Hold on to that story, guys. Hold on to that story. David and Goliath. You see, David and Goliath is a great story of overcoming. It's, a, it's an amazing story of um, overcoming the impossible. You see, if you go back to that story and just picture for it a moment, what's happening? There is the Philistine army with this giant. Now, people that study scripture and um, they call it textual criticism, they look at the stories and try to put them all together and um, they reckon his size was between seven foot and nine foot. 
all right? He was a big guy, and David was a young boy, probably about my height. I stopped growing when I was about 15. But <laughs> um, so he, he this giant of a man, and he's a warrior, all right? He's got his javelin, he's got his armor bearer going before him. And the whole of the army of Israel are terrified. They are scared of this giant, and he's taunting the armies of Israel. Now, Israel are God's people, and he's taunting them and mocking them and saying, look, one of you come out and fight me, and whoever wins will win the war, basically. And even Saul, the king of Israel, who it says in the Bible was head and shoulders over everybody else in Israel, was terrified and was hiding because this giant called Goliath How many times in our lives do we get taunted? Does the enemy mock us? Even people sometimes mock us. When we were called to come and start this church in Hastings, this couple said to us, who do you think you are? What have you got? What makes you think you can go to Hastings and start a church? And all we could say is, well, we've got Jesus. That's all we had. That was enough. Jesus is enough. You see, sometimes overcoming, and it's great to hear the stories these guys have shared today. Some of them were of a spiritual nature. Others were of willpower and persistence and belief and just taking a chance sometimes. Just taking a chance. Sometimes overcoming is more about our belief systems and our um, faith in ourselves sometimes. Believing that we can do something, that we can. Um, I, I love these quotes. William Shakespeare, all right, um, talked about nothing is good or bad, but thinking make it so, it makes it so. In other words, we can. Uh, this is William Shakespeare. We're getting really high up in this church, aren't we? You know, quoting William Shakespeare. In other words, there is this thing in our mind that will very often tell us we can do something or we can't. Sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes it's our own thinking. Now I'm going to quote someone else. We're moving in high circles here. Albert Einstein right, said this, nothing, um, where was it? The whole of science is nothing more than a refinement of everyday thinking. What did he mean by that? He meant going beyond the limitations of what we think we can do and what we can't do, what's possible and what's not possible. So often we limit ourselves and what we can achieve and what we can do by our own thinking, not what we actually can do. Listen to these two scriptures here. I just want to read these out to you. Proverbs 23 verse 7 in the King James Version says this, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible knows in Romans 12 2 it says this, be transformed by the renewing, the renewal of your mind. In fact, we're told to have the mind of Christ. You see, your mind will limit you in the natural and in the spiritual. That's why sometimes I I meet very immature Christians because they've never allowed their mind to be renewed with what? With the word of God. They've never allowed themselves to step out in faith and trust God. You know, when I was talking about the tithes and offerings, some people have never seen the true breakthrough that God has for them because they've never been able to trust God in that area. And so they hold back rather than trusting. Some of us are limited in what we've achieved in life, not because the devil or this or that or someone else stopped you, but you've allowed your thinking to come to a place of thinking, I could never do that, I'll never achieve that. And we're all prone to it. Even me sometimes can have a pity party. Who has pity parties in here sometimes? Anybody? 
not many of you, of course, you're all righteous and amazing. I mean, I, I have my odd pity parties, all right? When, when I, I put myself down and I tell myself, you know, uh, that I can't do it, or I can't achieve it, and then I have to say, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on. Am I listening to the right voice here? Am I listening to the right voice? Am I listening to a good voice or a bad voice? Um, the A-team, what was the guy, with, what was his name? Um, with the Mohican. What? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love Mr. T, that's, that's how I remember, Mr. T. I love what he said once. He said, uh, I may have been bored in the gutter, but there's no gutter in me. In other words, he changed his mindset. He started changing who he thought he was. As Christians in this place, you've got to realize you have the victory in Christ Jesus. You can do more than you think you can because you have God with you. So when David came to Goliath, he said, who does this Philistine think he is? Taunting, mocking the army of God. When bad things come to you and you feel under pressure, you need to rise up and say, who do you think you are? What do you think you are? I'm a child of God. God works with me. God walks with me. God guides me. The Bible says he guides the steps of a righteous man or woman. Who, this circumstances is not my ruler. This situation doesn't rule me. This situation doesn't confine me because I have God with me. David looks who is this Philistine? Why are you all hiding? Who is this Philistine that he would mock, taunt the army of God? And I loved what it said at the end. I don't know if you picked this up. I just thought this was, this was lovely. Um, it says, as Goliath moved closer to attack David, David quickly ran out to meet him. He took him on headfirst. He took him on straight away. There was no, you see, David had the experience of, as a shepherd boy, and he, he talks about it, killing the lion, attacking the lion and the bear that attacked his sheep and goats, because he spent time with God. He knew who God was. So there's victory in our thinking, but there's victory in Christ. If we know who we are, nothing is impossible to those that believe. David knew that his God was with him, and if my God is with me, what? Nothing is impossible. If my God is for me, who can be against me? My God, with my God, all things are possible. Once someone came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you can, can you pray for me? Can you heal me? And Jesus said, if I can, if I can, you see, it takes faith, belief that comes from spending time with God. I will tell you this as a fact, and I, 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 I'm experienced, and these guys come to prayer meetings that will tell you this. Whenever I've been at a prayer meeting and I have spent, spent time with God, I walk out of that prayer meeting, that meeting, feeling stronger, more able, more able to overcome the snares and the plans of the enemy. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So, where do we go from here? What do we do? We've heard these stories of overcoming. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but if I was say to each one of you today, and I'm going to ask you this, but don't put your hand up, this is between you and yourself and your thinking and God maybe. 
Do you see yourself as an overcomer? Or do you see yourself as somebody that's always being put down, that never quite reaches the target, never quite reaches the mark, never quite succeeds? There's always, it seems to be someone that steps in your way. There always seems to be something that tricks you up, trips you up. You never seem to quite make it. You know, this is what you can do. You can either think that and blame the people and blame the circumstances or the situation, or you can say, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm going to push through because God is with me. I'm not going to be defeated. You see, these guys here push through. You can as well. This is a story of overcoming today. I want you to remember the story of David and Goliath, how he ran to meet Goliath. You may not have natural muscles, but you can beat him. You know, when you run the marathon... There's something called hitting the wall. Have you ever heard that? Hitting the wall. It's a point where suddenly your muscles go, you just feel you can't, not that I've run a marathon. Uh, uh, this is secondhand knowledge. I've read up on it. All right, I've Googled it. I just want to make it clear. But when you've run the marathon, I'm told. <laughs> All right, mind you, I do remember, I don't know how many of you being made to run out in the freezing cold at school and run through fields and that when the puddles were icy and it was freezing and you have to you feel like you're going to be sick. And you, so I've got some experience from school. That was quite a few years back, but anyway. But there's that point where you hit the wall and you feel you can't go on any longer. Now, they say that normally happens at about 18 miles if you're doing a full marathon. Between 18, 19, 20 miles, you suddenly hit that wall. Not everybody, but most people hit that wall. And they have a decision to make. Do I push through or do I just give up? Do I just stop? You see, what it is, up to that point, running, running a marathon uses about 100 calories, I'm told, a mile. All right? And we have reserve energy in us, sugar. All right? um, there's another name for it, but I can't pronounce it. But that stored energy in us that gives us that push. I think God gave it to us so that we could run from the bear or run from the lion if we needed to. But by, by, the, by, by, by the 18th mile, you've pretty well used that energy. There's another energy available, and it's called fat. Right? But that takes longer to pull out. That energy you have to work at. But the immediate energy, you virtually use it up. So it becomes a matter of the will of the mind to push through, to finish that marathon when you hit the wall. In life, how many times in life have you hit the wall? Have you come to a place and you just can't do it anymore? You just can't keep going? You've had enough? You're tired? You're exhausted? You're giving up? And yet in him is your strength. Because I love this. I love this. He says, when you are weak, he makes you strong. Don't put your trust in your own willpower. Yes, your own willpower sometimes will overcome things and you will be able to do things. But don't put your trust in that because there'll be some things in life where you need God. And what do we do? We lean on him. Like David and Goliath, he knew where he was. He knew where his source was. He knew where his breakthrough was. He knew in God he could overcome, and he run to Goliath. You've got to learn to lean on God, put your trust in him in every area of your life. And it's a worldly word, but I'm going to use it. 
You'll no longer be that loser you think you might be in a certain situation in your life. You'll be that winner that God's always created you to be. Just being born means you're a winner. I won't go into the biological thing of it, but I'm telling you, just being born, you were a winner. I don't know how many tadpoles there were, but there were thousands and millions of them, and you were the one that got there, okay? So you are a winner. (laughs) We won't go any further on that. Go out of church this week knowing that if you're a Christian, God is with you and nothing is impossible. Believe in your dreams. Believe in your hopes. As a church, you know, I'm believing God. We're going to go places. We're going to do things this coming year. I was speaking to the guys and, you know, God gave me this word about 2020 vision. I have a clear vision for this year. And I'm getting so excited about what God is sharing with me. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. Yeah? So are you winners in this place? Are you overcomers? Come on, speak it out. Yes, I am. Don't let your mind tell you all. You better not say it. Speak it out. I can overcome. I'm a winner in Christ. I am more than a conqueror. Thank you, Larry. (laughs) Praise God. And just as I end here now, I'm just going to end with a prayer. But maybe you in this place today, you don't know what it is to live a life of victory, not just in your willpower, but having God in you, working through you, doing mighty exploits. You know, the Bible says, those that know their God shall do mighty exploits. And I want to say to you, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, died on a cross like that, so that you could walk into a new place in your life. You could be forgiven of your sins, made right with God, and be adopted into his family. And the Bible says all you need to do is repent, turn to God and put your trust in Jesus Christ as your saviour who died for you. And maybe today it's time for you to give your life to Christ, to give your life to Jesus, to put your trust in you. And I can feel that conflict in your mind saying, I can't do it. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. Take that step of faith and believe and trust in him. Give your life to him and let him come and fill you with your spirit and transform you from the inside out where you become literally a new creation in him. The Christian message has been going for 2,000 years and no one has ever been able to destroy Christianity and it will continue to grow. It reaches across the world and when the message has gone right across the world to every people and every nation, it says Jesus will come back. So now is the time to take authority over your mind. Repent, trust in him, turn to God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall, the Bible says, you shall be saved and added into God's family. So, Father, we commit this morning to you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Father, for your encouragement. And I pray as the pastor in this place, Lord, amongst us as a congregation, Father, you'd raise up mighty men and mighty women of God that will do incredible things for you. Lord, let that spirit, that spirit rise up in each one of us that nothing is impossible. I pray for those in here that God is calling to do certain things. Lord, give them the encouragement to do it. Give them the encouragement to do it. And for those that are seeking after you and want to know you, Lord, give them the encouragement to say, yes, Lord. And if that's you, you come and speak to me afterwards. Thank you, Lord. We commit this morning's word to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's give the guys a clap. Thank you. Praise God.